Hello everybody and welcome to the latest Mirror Football Podcast and we come to you on International Week. England are taking on Germany and Brazil over the course of the weekend and slightly beyond. Uh, but unfortunately there's not quite going to be a full England squad there. There's been people pulling out the squads left, right and centre unfortunately. Um, we're going to be talking about England, we're also going to talk briefly later on about uh, Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland who've got World Cup qualifiers over the weekend. Uh, I'm Aaron Flanagan, hosting here today, joining me in the studio, uh, two of our top reporters from Mirror Football, uh, Alex Richards first of all, Alex how are you doing? Not too bad, how are you? I'm not too bad, thank you, and uh, Jake Polden, Podcast Debut, how are you? Very well, thank you mate. Good stuff, good to have you. Uh, we're also going to be speaking on the phone a little later on to John Cross, uh, the Chief Football Writer for the Daily Mirror. Uh, he'll be giving us a bit of insight into England and kind of the, this whole situation uh, with the injuries. Um, with these injuries... It has really put a bit of a damper, hasn't it, on the um, on the international weekend. These should be big games, Germany and Brazil. Uh, shouldn't the Alex put uh, In a way, it's not quite the same spectacle that it should be. Um, in a way, it's not the same spectacle, but at the same time, it gives an opportunity for players to really stake their own claim. Um, you know, everyone's disappointed to see the likes of Harry Kane pulling out. Um, we all know he's going to be England's number one striker next summer provided he's fit. Um, so it would have been ideal for Gareth Southgate to have him available and for everyone to see kind of the plans moving forward for Southgate's England. Um, instead, we've got to look at a plan B, a different option. Um, whether that's Marcus Rashford up front, Jamie Vardy, whoever. But then it's an opportunity for them. So I think that is something that you know, there are obviously negatives at losing your key men. Um, but you can also look at the positives, and it's going to give us something different to focus on. Is something different what supporters actually want, though? Because um, obviously, people have paid decent money for these tickets. Uh, Jake, I know you're going to the game, you've paid for a ticket. Mm. Um, you've paid good money for your tickets to the games, and you're not going to be seeing England at full strength. That's got to be disappointing from a kind of spectator's perspective. Absolutely. I mean, with it being a friendly, you know, you're, you're, I suppose you, you know there are always going to be things changing, there's always going to be stuff like that. As a football fan, you accept the fact that you're not going to, you know, things are going to get tried out. You know, Southgate's going to want to see different players playing different positions, try different things, and that's where you do that. You do this in, the, in your friendlies. You don't do that on, the, on, your, World, on your World Cup games. Um, that said, um, as you say, £45 for a ticket was actually relatively in the cheapest cheaper side of ticket and you think that is that's a lot of money to go see a friendly game to watch England play especially as you say when you know interest might be dwindling in in, in international football um, it's not really going to pull people in to sort of you know this is a second rate England team and it's a lot of money in which to watch them play so yeah are you, are you actually excited to go to the game at all is it, is it or are you just is it just another game of football just a, a, a down um, I am purely because I haven't seen him play in a little while now, so I think it's more it's more the sort of the novelty factor of going to Wembley and, and seeing the team play. And obviously, I'm I'm going to the Brazil game and obviously through you know, the nose for a beer. Well, yeah, yeah. of course, <laughs> of course. But at the same time, you know, it's it's a chance. I get, you know, seeing Brazil as well, as you say, it's a, it's, a, it's a nice um, it's a nice team to see your team play against. So, um, are you more excited to see Brazil then than you are to see England? Potentially. I mean, obviously, there you know, there's uh, there's certainly um, players. You know, yeah. Jesus and uh, Coutinho, players like that, who 
who can draw crowds in. Um, and as you say, the likes of Harry Kane missing, Sterling, Henderson. You know, we've got big players missing, um, which is you know it, it is. Isn't that a case of most friendlies though? That you are more excited by the team that England are playing rather than England. Is that always the case with England? Though are we saying, or is it? I think it is. I think it is in terms of these these kind of glamour friendlies against the bigger nations. Um, I think you go to qualifiers because you want to see your team win. These sorts of games, I think, you know, there's a reason we're not playing Luxembourg. It's true, yeah. and obviously that, you know, the bigger the team is, the more the more interest, the more you can sell tickets. If, as you say, if it's England Luxembourg, no disrespect to Luxembourg, but the average football fan, the casual fan, isn't going to go, oh, I'm going to I'm going to pay forty five pound for a, for a ticket to watch England play at Wembley if they're not going to see superstars line up against England, you know, that sort yeah. of thing as well. So it goes both ways. Yeah. Uh, I spoke on the phone uh, just before we came on to John Cross, uh, chief football writer, uh, and I asked him a bit more about um, kind of all of this injury situation. Six players have pulled out of the England squad in a matter of just days. Um, so here's what John had to say a little earlier. John, England are quite a lot of injury worries. Harry Kane, Deli Alley, Harry Winks, Raheem Sterling, Fabian Delph, Jordan Henderson uh, have all dropped out of the England squad. Um, in a way, it's making a bit of, mock- of a mockery of these uh, internationals, isn't it? Yeah, I, I do think it is. I mean, you're talking there about five certain starters, I, I, I think, there uh, over the course of these two friendlies, and, and arguably, you know, four really big players in sort of kind of Kane, uh, Ali, Henderson, uh, Sterling, all big, big players and winks the emerging talent, you know. So it's, it's really so frustrating, I think. And I think what's the reason you lay on bigger opponents like um, Germany and Brazil is so you get a proper workout. And I think actually that the fact that sort of England are then sort of kind of reduced to a sort of almost a B team lineup is, is just a bit of a farce, embarrassing really. I think it's so disappointing in that um, look, I can understand whether sort of when players are sort of genuinely injured. No, I've got no reason to doubt that they are. But it, these friendlies do come at a time when it's really busy in the Premier League, really intense in the Champions League. I think you're bound to get knocks, and and I think clubs will be anxious to protect their players and sort of not sort of further um, get any more worries. but I mean it just negates these England games and I, I just feel sorry for the fans I mean the Germany games nearly a set out Brazil too um, and I think they'll be turning up to, to watch a sort of a almost a second beat England team which is a great great show yeah absolutely uh, you mentioned in there obviously about his busy period for the Premier League and everything do you think these injury or these pu- people pulling out of the squad is more decided by the Premier League clubs than it is the England camp. Yeah, I, I do think the clubs will always err on the side of caution. And I guess, I guess Gareth Southgate has to respect that in a way. I mean, listen, I know that Harry Winks, for example, desperate to report up and, and obviously devastated by his ankle injury. And I can understand that because he just got in, into the into the setup basically. and he's trying to establish himself. Harry Kane, I think, has got a bit of a has got a knock. He's obviously had the hamstring issue last week. Then he took a kick and had this had a scan on the kick. And I'm sure that you know there's good, there's good reason why he misses out on that. You can't escape the fact that obviously Spurs wouldn't want any chances taken with, with Harry Kane. And you wonder if it was a qualifying, whether it's sort of England or the FA would get into a situation whereby and look we'd like our medical staff to have a look at him as well if he can report up please whereas I think 
you know, generally, I think the sort of kind of the clubs have sent away medical um, notes and, uh, and so on to, to kind of get their players excused. And you wonder whether sort of it was, if it was a qualifier, then, then players sort of wouldn't be so quick to, to pull out. But I can understand the sort of the club's point of view. And if you ask the average fan, I'm afraid to say the average fan will say, look, do you want the, the, the player to play against Germany and Brazil to get ready for the World Cup next summer? Or do you want them to be fit for Tottenham? in the North London Derby and they'll say the North London Derby it's just it's just a natural thing and I just think it's so frustrating though for, for, for Southgate and I think it's so frustrating for, for England as well and I think when we inevitably probably disappoint at the World Cup finals next summer I don't think anyone can blame anyone but the sort of the clubs and, and sort of the scheduling of the Premier League is so tough and so intense Yeah it's kind of this repeating cycle of Kind of actions, kind of every single every single year. It kind of seems. Have there been any rumblings that you can gather from Gareth Southgate about the situation? Because Gareth Southgate comes across as you know he's pretty cool-headed, pretty professional when he interviews. But surely he must be really, really frustrated. Has there been any indication that he is actually really disappointed with the injury scenario right now? Yeah, I do think he's disappointed. Um, it's funny, Gareth Southgate. He is a really nice guy and speaks very sort of kind of calm and um, you know gathers his thoughts very carefully. But actually, if you go through what he says, for example, at his press conference, where he is absolutely brutal at some times. It's almost like sort of the iron fist disguised in a velvet glove really. He pulls absolutely no punches and tells exactly players why. For example, look at Chris Smalling, you know, why why Chris Smalling's out of the squad because he can't play out from the back. Also shamed him, why is he not in the squad? Well, because basically he's sort of um, playing in too many different positions at the moment. He's got to make one position his own. And, you know, he really, he, he lets fly. I think what he might be this week more diplomatic in public about it because I think at this stage he's got to keep the, uh, the, the clubs on side for his key players um, but I do think he, inside he'll be so disappointed and I don't think he can escape that because I think he really wanted to see different things he's been talking about a back three in England games working and you know looking at different systems looking at different players within those systems and now he's just left with sort of calling up Jack Cork and Jake Livermore. I'm pleased to see Cork called up, by the way, because I think that Cork has been outstanding for Burnley. But I, I look at some of the others and I think, well, is, is it really, is there much point, you know, sort of thing? Are we going to learn much from this? But um, And I think that's quite disappointing. Uh, absolutely. Uh, I was going to mention Cork and Livermore. Uh, both have done all right. Oh, Cork, as, as you mentioned, have done very well for Burnley in their kind of incredible season so far. Uh, is it maybe frustrating for England though that it does feel so second rate we are having to hand debuts at a time when we need to really push on to you know get ready for a World Cup and you know you'd want to be challenging for a World Cup but is it worrying that we're handing out debuts at this point yeah it is and you'd have to be honest and say I think some of those some of those guys are they going to be in the World Cup squad and you say no I mean look at Livermore case in point Livermore has been in the last few squads and played um, and then he wasn't in the squad um, he's been slightly out of form I think for West Brom there's been a few Pulis has sort of said you know, he needed sort of a break and taken out the team and he's had a bit of a dip um, and actually he's had a relief and a lot of people will question 
I think Livermore kind of be included. But look, if someone's enthusiastic and turns up, then 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 why not? He's solid. I think he's a Premier League sort of player. I personally think he, he might sort of struggle to to ever be an England regular. Um, I think the sort of the lack of quality is is most obvious for England in in midfield at the moment, particularly the kind of Gareth midfielder. And I think that's something that Gareth Southgate is desperately trying to find an answer to because I think Winks has been a real plus, um, sort of getting them all ball moving in the sort of the number eight role, if you if you like. Still looking for that kind of almost a box to box player, but certainly also with number six, the anchor man role. And I guess Loftus Cheek explains his inclusion because he can be a box to box player and powerful presence in midfield. But I do think that sort of Southgate, the biggest issue for me is because I think he's all right goalkeepers, all right in defence, um, all right with attacking players, is that anchor man midfield player, because I still don't think he, he, he's got it. I think Henderson's really good, but he's not that player. Um, and I think he just needs someone to shield and kind of hold their discipline in midfield, and that, that's something that he's really got to find, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just quickly before we finish, the England-Germany game has got a couple of little quirks, if you like, about it. First of all, Video referees are going to be used in England for the first time. Uh, are the FA very much supportive of bringing in video referees? Do we do we think? Yeah, I think they are. I think um, I think football is generally. I think there's a few dissenting voices, but I do think that sort of uh, football is going. I think the FA on board, the Premier League is certainly on board. Um, I, I think goal line technology for a start has been absolutely fantastic. Um, you don't see so many rows, and I just think it's. It, I think when, when it's supposed to be AR, it's a really good thing. I think there's teething problems. Of course, this isn't England's first game involved with VAR. Um, you know, they, they, they took part in the, in the France friendly in June, didn't they? Basically, in Paris, where that took. And you might remember there's a sort of decision, a penalty decision, um, and, and basically which went in England's favour um, and that just seemed a bit chaotic and that didn't go well and I, I always think it's kind of it, you can make a thing of it whereby the referee kind of maps out a, a, a circle a sort of a square rather in the air to signify it's going to the video referee and then points up to the big screen and make a thing of it and I'd love to see those sort of arms sort of falls out and out and it becomes part of the game part of the excitement as the crowd waits for the decision and so forth but I thought in Paris it was a bit shambolic so I do think it will be an interesting test of when we see how they deal with it because I think the big screens and almost that crowd participation and understanding are absolutely vital for it to succeed Yeah, absolutely um, and just finally also the England-Germany game England are somewhat controversially wearing a blue kit um, for it um, I, I believe is this down to commercial partnerships or something is that how that, this has come about yeah I think so I think with a lot of Premier League clubs these days uh, away from home sort of kind of clubs are under pressure to wear their sort of third kits um, you know have a many set, set times a season and I think England obviously facing a team in, in, in similar colours in, in white for their own kit have decided to play away, you know, in their away kit, which I have to say, being a bit of a traditionalist, I think is a bit of a shame. But um, but but there you go. You have to you have to stomach it, I guess. And I do actually quite like the kit, but I know it won't be everyone's cup of tea. But I do think it's commercialism. I think that's driven driven that one. Absolutely, uh, John. Really, really nice having you on the podcast. Uh, thank you very much. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. John Cross there speaking to me earlier here on the Mirror Football podcast. Uh, I just want to go back 
to something John said near the start of uh, his interview there. He said about how fans would probably prefer their players to be rested for the club football as opposed to the international football. Is, would this be this, Alex? Do you know if it's any different in any any other countries? Are players more committed in a way to um, international football in other countries, or do, you know, or is it only in England where you know club comes before country? I don't think it's a commitment thing um, here, personally. I think um, I think everywhere you go, fans largely will put their club first, and especially. If you consider that the club is more immediate, you know, these are friendlies, the World Cup's next summer. Fans have that at the back of their mind. You know, it's it's the World Cup's away. Um focus for fans is what's my club doing now? Oh my club you know, I use Harry Kane as an example. Um we know he's England's number one man. It makes more sense for him to if he's got the slightest problem, miss these games because A, it's better for Tottenham and their pursuits and B, um, in the long run, having a two-week rest now works for him because he's going to have a, a long, arduous season. You know, Spurs doing well in the league, doing well in the Champions League. Um, he's probably not going to stop playing until, depending on where England reach in the World Cup, the end of June. July so he needs to get those breaks in now and these are two friendly games that he doesn't really need to play and we all know what Harry Kane can do um, so he needs to get his rests where he can and this do, is a perfect opportunity Do we not need to see Harry Kane in an English shirt against some of the best in the world? Isn't that what these friendlies are designed to do? Um, it's a good point yeah I mean to some extent we do but then at the same time you've got to look at it from you know Brazil are going to be approaching this in the same way you'd like to think that they're not going to be going all out you know the, the likes of as I said as mentioned earlier Coutinho his, his eyes on well potentially other things but you know his, his what's going on with his Premier League team what's going on for him in the immediate in the now all clubs want to see their players rested and not playing you want your players to be playing international football as a fan but your club comes first I think saying that players here may be less committed than elsewhere is, is wrong. I think players all over, they're all committed to playing for their country. Um, but the club versus country debate will always be that your club's your bread and butter. That's in your foreground. That is the big one, especially in season. Um, from a football fan's perspective, I mean, you're both fans of championship teams, so obviously it's not going to happen to you guys very often. You're not going to have... England and internationals pulled out of your squad. Well, Ruben Neves is in the uh, Portugal squad, I'll have you know. Uh, OK, OK, OK. Well, w- Wolves fans still still enjoying yourself uh, this season. Um, would you prefer your players to be pulled out of an international squad? And Well, if you, if you were given the option, they can be in the international squad playing two friendlies or they can rest for two weeks, what, what would you prefer? As a What's fan? the risk of injury? Because that's your big one. It, it, it all comes down to that. The risk of that player getting injured. Whether he gets injured on international duty or he comes back and he's been overworked, not had enough rest, and then he gets injured 20 minutes into his next league game. That's where the issue lies. Um, you saw it with Liverpool. Sadio Mane got injured for Senegal. He returns at West Ham at the weekend, has an excellent game. They win 4-1. He's now on international duty again. What's the guarantee he doesn't get injured? Should you not really think, though... I mean, if you bring it to an English perspective, I want my club's best players 
to be playing for my country of and course, England. Of course you do, but football fans, we're all selfish and we all want our club to do well. Yeah. And, you know, as I've said, these are two friendly games. This isn't the World Cup. You want your best players at the World Cup winning a trophy, competing for a trophy. But these are friendlies and your club is the priority at this point in the season. And I think deep down, Southgate knows that as well. I think, you know, he's got obviously frustrated at the moment. He wants to try things with his best players. But I think ultimately he knows that if he's got Harry Kane, Golden Boot winner at the end of the season, going into a World Cup, then that's the best Harry Kane he can have as opposed to a Harry Kane who's played 60 minutes of a friendly against Germany or Brazil, come off for for Tammy Abraham or, or whatever and picks up an injury because he's picked up an injury I mean and um, and then suddenly he misses part of the season which in which he could be building and progressing for that season so I think Precisely. he knows that and, he's all, and he'll also be aware that you know Euro 2016 Harry Kane golden boot winner long season didn't fire at Euro 2016 you know England were pretty dismal but Kane wasn't Kane and he needs to find a way to have Harry Kane the golden boot winner at the World Cup Talking of um, almost friendlies, and there's a, a completely bonkers idea which has come out today. Uh, Wales, in the next international break in March, uh, will be flying up to China to play two friendlies in a little round-robin robin tournament against the Uruguay, Czech Republic and China themselves will be competing. It's an 11,000-mile round trip. and I mean, if Premier League managers are pulling players out of a friendly at Wembley, just down the road... Like for Tottenham, but it is their home ground. They're pulling teams out of friendlies from there. How are Premier League managers going to react to that kind of? Like, let's be honest, quite a ludicrous idea. In um, in March. In March, yeah. So you're going to have Champions League back on. Can you see Gareth Bale playing in those games? No, Aaron Ramsey. If, if Arsenal are on a bit of a run in the Europa League, Arsene Wenger's not going to be happy no, at all. Is he's, he? he's going to kick up a massive fuss about that, and, and rightly so. You know. I think it's it's a, it's more it's more based on commercial, you know what what you know building a reputation in the likes of China, which I can understand from a commercial point of view. But as as we keep saying, you know, most important in football is the here and now, is the immediate and playing for their clubs, play, you know, competing in in the Champions League, Europa League. Who, who else is in that, that competition? Uh, Uruguay, so the likes of Luis Suarez could potentially be involved. Uh, the Czech Republic um, and China. So Uruguay have qualified for World Cup, obviously. Yeah. I would be shocked if they take anything like a first-choice squad. Really? I imagine you'll see a lot of under-20s and young players. Is that... Because, I mean, it's actually like a, a round-robin tournament that they'll play semi-finals and a final. Is that not good at, like, tournament preparation for a team at the World Cup? It could be, but again, it's the thing that it's, it's completely unnecessary and it's a, a point in the season where it's... You know, you get into the tail end of the season, the real business end. Those players need to rest. You know, if Cavani is in the Champions League with PSG and fighting for the league title and fighting for two cups in France, Suarez likewise with Barcelona fighting for a title, cup, Champions League. When can those players rest if they are fighting on all these fronts? So it'll be crucial that they get rest at some point, especially ahead of the World Cup. Of course, yeah. I mean, you need to gel as a national team, but at the same time, you know, you've got, as you say, you've got to have that rest. You can't, you can't be expected to put all that travelling in. You know, different time zones and stuff like that, and then be expected to perform for your Premier League team. And then you've got the stresses of your manager, your fans demanding, you know, why so and so not performing this week? Well, he's he's just done twelve hours on a plane. You know, I mean, that's it's not it's not fair for for, yeah. for a footballer. No, absolutely. Uh, one of the other changes that's come into international football recently that we will see at the England Germany game 
this week is video refereeing, video officiating, reviews of decisions and all and all that sort. Um, as John Cross said to us on the phone earlier, uh, the FA are massively in support of it. They think it's the kind of the right thing. But once you know the whole system of it is right, um, do we think that video officials? It, it's, it's now is the right time. Are, are we happy to see it introduced? Um, they've already introduced it in Germany, and it has uh, wreaked havoc a little bit recently. Um, there was a situation at Wolfsburg at the weekend where I think two goals were disallowed. Um, a penalty was given and overturned. Um, overturned. Overturned correctly though, or or is there still doubt in the decision? It was. I think it was overturned correctly, but there were there were four key areas that we were supposed to make decisions on. Um, and recently they have changed the rules, so to speak, in Germany, where they have started using VAR a lot, lot more. You know, it was happening like once a game for decisions such as a penalty that the referee was unsure about. Yeah. Um, there was a directive sent to clubs um, to start using it a lot more when a referee was indecisive over the slightest decision. Even like free kicks and stuff. So the, the initial directive that was given out um, on video refereeing that I mean applies to the England-Germany game on Thursday was that it's red card incidents get reviewed, penalties uh, mistaken identity and there was one more and I can't remember but it was something relatively you know, anonymous so it's only the big big decisions yeah. um, oh it was goals sorry just anything that goes in the net it will be reviewed um, so are you saying in Germany now they've actually Started using it for free kicks and little things, or not for, not for little things, but but they've started to. If a referee has been uncertain, he's not really given a decision, and he's gone and checked with the VAR, and then um, I cannot remember his name, but the guy that's been in charge has actually been sacked by the German Federation right, well. because there's been an issue where it has ramped up that much, and it's become really unclear. Um, just there's been controversy. It's not transparent at all. It's turned into a mess and a bit of a farce. Yeah. Um, so really, it needs looking at again there. Yeah. And this is the thing that if it's being brought in on the international scene or in the Premier League, it needs to be crystal clear how it's being used, how it's being interpreted. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, surely that we all just want to get the right decisions, even if there is a, a little bit of a delay. Can we accept a bit of a delay if the decision is going to be correct? Well, this is the big argument, isn't it? You know, um, obviously you look at rugby, and, and that's been the thing there where you've got the delay and you're waiting. And I can understand it from a fan's point of view. You know, if uh, if you, your team scores and then suddenly everyone's, oh, you know, sometimes you know you, you might look at the liner quickly and see if the flag's up or whatever. But at the same time, there's that immediate you know elation and everyone's together cheering you at goal. And if you have to wait. You know, if it becomes a culture of you score, oh right, hang on, we've got to wait and see if it's goal. You know, obviously it only applies to contentious decisions, but at the same time, there's definitely that fear. So I think, I think as you say, it's it has to be crystal clear. It has to be, you know, everyone has to be on board it. And, and of course, it's going to be initially. There's going to be, um, you know, things people aren't going to like it, and there's going to be things against it. You know, people didn't like the back pass rule when that was brought in, and ultimately that, you know, that became such a you know a massive thing and, and changed football for the better. So. I think you know that it definitely can change football for the better. It's just a case of, as you say, getting it right and making sure that that there is there is one rule and, and and people stick to it. My big problem with it has been that there are, I've seen decisions given on the basis of VAR where the referee has given a penalty, 
VAR has backed him up, and yet you can't see why it's a penalty. Yeah. You know. You know. I mean, isn't that just a general person's interpretation of the laws? Well, that, that... well that's the thing, isn't it? You, your guy watching on VAR, who is then telling the referee to give a give a penalty in such situations, he's also giving his view. Yeah. It's not definitive. Yeah. From my own knowledge of the the laws of the game, everything is worded in the opinion of the referee. This, in the opinion of the referee, that you know, there's. I think the offside rule is the only one that is proper, black and white. Um, so you're always going to get uh, disagreements. Um, Alex, you watch a lot of German football, as people can probably tell, um, given his uh, references to Wolfsburg and everything that's been going on in the Bundesliga. Uh, what do you think we can expect from Germany uh, going into this game against England? Are they, are they, are they going to be coming full strength, or are they? You know, I mean, let's be honest, they have, they have a wealth of talent, don't they? They don't really. Um... They won't be at full strength. Manuel Neuer's out. Uh, Jerome Boateng's out. Um, Thomas Muller isn't there. But they're still coming with a hell of a strong side. I mean, they took a second string to Confederations Cup in the summer and were victorious. Um, a lot of those players were pulled from the under-21s and so weren't in the European Championships, which their under-21s went and won anyway. They are... There is a depth there that I think is unrivaled at international level. Um, he's still experimenting, Yogi Lowe. He's um, it's it's a big big couple of games for a couple of players in particular. I think Timo Werner is one. He was Golden Boot winner at Confederations Cup and exploded onto the scene last season with Leipzig scoring twenty one goals for them, and then made his Germany debut uh, against England in Dortmund when he was booed because he's not really a favourite over a diving incident in Germany but has really come good has scored um, regularly for Germany since but then he's had a few problems at the start of this season there was an incident in Istanbul in the Champions League where he came off because he couldn't handle the noise and he just kind of shut down um, so there's a bit of, a few question marks over his mentality to deal with the big stage and the big occasion so he's got to prove that um, his rival for that centre forward spot is uh, Sandro Wagner of Hoffenheim, who is, um, I think, he's touching his thirties now. Very late developer. Um, he's got five and five for Germany since being called up this year. He gives them something different, something a, a bit more of a target man like Miroslav Klose used to be. Um, and then further back, Mario Goetz is back after a year out, which is great to see. Um, Ilkay Gundogan as well, also back. Meza Ozil's back after he's missed the last four games with a knee injury. Um, so there's a lot of good players there. Particularly for me, I'm interested in seeing Julian Draxler, who was player of the tournament at Confederations Cup, played largely in a central role and was excellent throughout. He was given freedom to pretty much do as he pleased and really dominated the tournament. Um, difficult time for him at club level, trying to find his place at PSG. Now that Neymar and Kylian Mbappe are there. Um, so there is a lot of attacking talent. Um, it's going to be tough for England, no matter which Germany 11 they come up against. You mentioned a little earlier then about um, kind of the youth team and stuff and the fact that obviously the under-21s went and won even though they weren't at full strength. Um, can England, from all the youth success that they've had this summer, Obviously, I think the under under twenty one Euros is the only one where they didn't make the final. I, th- I think something yeah, semi final, like, yeah, yeah, but they got to the semi. Um, can England 
catch Germany? Are, are England catching up? You know, it's it's promising times for England, but can they actually get to that level? Well, those play those players that have have won and done very well for England at youth level now need to be getting first team football, regular first team football, because that's the thing that these German players have over their English counterparts. They are playing week in, week out. And until our players are doing that in the Premier League, they're not going to get the big experience. They're not going to develop as quickly. You know, that's the, that's the big situation now. Those players have to go and get first-team experience because there's nothing else like it. And that's the only way they're going to continue their development. Yeah, absolutely. Um, England... Well, England's games against uh, Germany and Brazil are not the only internationals taking place this weekend. Uh, there's also got the well, incredibly crucial World Cup qualifier, double header, two legged ties um, that Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland are both going to be playing in. Um, I'll start with the Republic of Ireland. They're away away to Denmark first on Saturday night. Um, Ireland only just got past Wales at one point in the qualifying. It didn't look like they were going to, you know. Get past Wales into second place in that group, um, but because they're, I mean, Denmark. Do we think they can get past Denmark? Was it? There's a few grimaces around on the, on the faces. I didn't think they'd get past Wales. To be quite truthful. Well, yeah. I mean, they they rode their luck there, didn't they? Massively. You know, they took their chance when it came. You know, James McLean. But as you say, you know, Wales were up bail at the day on the day, and um, you know. Will that luck continue? This I think it's that's... going to be tough. Um, Christian Eriksen obviously leading Denmark, and he's been outstanding for Spurs. Um, Are Denmark a better team than Wales? It's a difficult question because obviously you look back at Euro twenty sixteen and Wales get to the semi final, and I think they have a very different style way of playing. For yeah. Wales are predominantly a reactive team who keep it tight and then will try and break with one or two moments of quality and hit you on the counter I think Denmark are more progressive want to keep the ball want to dominate play which might well work in Ireland's favour because they want to be tight and then they want to play on the counter and break into space I think it's, an inter- it's an interesting game it will be tough um, are, they, are they away first? Uh, yes they're in Copenhagen on Saturday night the first leg so I think if, if they're coming away from there with a 0-0 or 1-1 yeah, then, then you've, got, you've got a fancy of them you? yeah no, absolutely uh, also with a World Cup qualifier probably got one of the tougher of the draws that was available to them Northern Ireland play Switzerland uh, home leg first on Thursday night this week um, just great if you rewind 10 years uh, you would have never thought Northern Ireland were going to be on the brink of qualifying for a World Cup um, it's pretty remarkable what they've done the, the run they've gone on and I mean even what they did at the Euros last year it's uh, pretty remarkable for Northern Ireland isn't it? he's done an amazing job Michael O'Neill I think um, again, on paper, you would think Switzerland should win this, um, but you wonder how Switzerland react having you know they won nine out of nine in the group, and then all they had to do was avoid defeat in Portugal, and they couldn't manage it. They were turned over. They didn't turn up on the night, and were comfortably beaten. Um, There's some interesting quotes from Jordan Shakiri, which have come up just before we were recording, and where he went. Um, if we play well, we'll win. Like he's confident that just just well, not even outstanding, going all out. Just if Switzerland play their game, they'll win. Is maybe an air of complacency in the Swiss Swiss team? 
I think it's bullish. Um, I think ultimately he's right though, isn't he? I think as you say on paper, they have the, the, the stronger team. You know, you look at those two teams and you think, you know, I, I think that's that's you can call it, you know, cockiness, confidence. But at the same time, you know, he, I think he, he's looking at it as you say. They've, they've done well. They've they they should be winning that game. You know, so um, yeah. I, know, think, I, mean, I think the big interesting thing is they're playing in Belfast to begin. Mm. Northern Ireland go a goal ahead. How do the Swiss react? Mm, because, because a one-nil defeat for Switzerland yeah, wouldn't yeah. be terrible. Yeah. Windsor Park would be bouncing. Yeah. If, uh, if they oh, went ahead, yeah. I mean, I think it will be regardless. I think you, yeah. you know the atmosphere is going to be electric. You know, it's yeah. it's it's massive. It's yeah. absolutely massive. Northern Ireland have a very good home record as well. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Absolutely. So just quickly before we go, uh, let's run through some quick score predictions for the weekend. We'll go back to England first. England Germany. Um, are England going to get anything out of it? Um. I'd like to say yeah because I'd like to see you know as you say we, we spoke about it not being a full strength team you'd like to see the likes of you know Tammy Abraham was talking this week about how proud he is and pleased he was to get called up and you'd love to see that you know someone knocking on, on Harry Kane's door you know so it's not just obviously we know he, he's our star man but at the same time someone someone knocking on the door saying you know I, I'm you know I'm coming for your position at some point yeah, yeah. Um, but at the same time uh, I'd still feel Germany are going to field a stronger team and I think they may edge it. I'm going to go 2-1 Germany. 2-1 Germany. Alex? I'd agree with that. I think, I think yeah. Germany may just have a little bit too much. be interesting game. be interesting to see how England line up, whether they go with three at the back, whether they try and counter, or whether they try and... They're not going to have as much possession as Germany because they dominate the ball very much like Spain used to. Um, so it'll be interesting, but I do think Germany will be slightly too strong. Cool. A uh, few days afterwards, England-Brazil... Same scenario? I think so. Yeah. I think Brazil really... They've got a front three now of Gabriel Jesus, uh, Coutinho, Neymar, and the rest of the side is actually set up to play to their strengths. Yeah. Um, very good coach. I think that will be... I think England will be more on their level in that game. Um, again, I'd be surprised if England won. Maybe a draw. Yeah, I think a draw is a fair result. I mean, you know, it's typical England. We could we could win both these games, and everyone gets excited that we're going to win the World Cup. But you know, yeah. Germany, one of these teams traditionally, and when it when it counts, they they make it count, which yeah. we failed to do in years gone by. But you know, I think I think that's fair. I think Germany will edge us, but yeah, why not? I think we can get we could uh, maybe see a draw against against Brazil. Good stuff. Uh, just quickly, who's going to qualify for the World Cup between Denmark and the Republic of Ireland? Denmark. Well, Denmark. I'm going Ireland. Ireland. Yeah. Bit of bit, bit of optimism. A good and Northern Ireland versus Switzerland. Northern Ireland. Oh. Oh. Okay. I'm, I'm going to go the opposite again. I'm going to go Switzerland. Right, Switzerland. Yeah. Split panels all round when it comes to anything other than England. All doom and gloom for England. Uh, that seems not to doom, be not doom and gloom. But can you can it be doom and gloom in a friendly? We seem to somehow make doom and gloom. In a friendly, it seems to happen. It's not doom and gloom. They're playing a very good team. Two very very good good teams. teams. They are, are, absolutely. Right, that will do us this week on the Mirror Football Podcast. Uh, Make sure you do subscribe to us. Uh, We're available on iTunes, on Audio Boom, and also on Spotify. You'll also find us all over the Mirror Football social media, as and when there's a new episode. Uh, And wherever wherever you're subscribing, uh, please, uh, if you can add a rating, a review, let us know what you think. Uh, That would be very, very much appreciated. Uh, but for now, um, enjoy if you're hopefully an Ireland fan. Hopefully enjoy it. If you're an England fan, don't be too dis- 
kind of disencouraged uh, if we do get two batterings. Uh, but enjoy the international weekend, and we will see you next week. <laughs>